Thank you for joining us today with Newly Awakened Ministries. Hello, everyone. My name is Brian Simon. I am part of Newly Awakened Ministries, and welcome to Fuel the Flame. I just wanted to share a few little nuggets with you um, on this little video. This is my first time, of course, and um, let me just give you the title of what I believe I'm going to call this. It's going to be called Identity Management. Now, obviously, there's a lot of identity theft going on. In fact, I'm an IT guy by trade and uh, just got an email last Friday, 521,000 accounts of personal information and credit used like credit cards, etc., was just stolen. That's just last Friday. So, I mean, it obviously identity theft is a very big issue. Um, now, to truly understand identity management, we've got to first define what actual identity theft is. So according to Webster's, and I'm going to read this off the screen here behind me, the fraudulent acquisition and use of a person's private identifying information with intent to commit fraud is actually identity theft. It is the fraudulent acquisition and use of private information to commit fraud. Is identity important? Absolutely. Is it valuable? Absolutely. Let me run down a list of some facts I have gathered here. Okay, I'm just gonna read these off my screen. Identify Identity theft cost people in the US in 2020, this is just two years ago, $56 billion. Is it valuable? Absolutely, it is $56 billion in 2020. Um, 2.2 million fraud reports were filed with the FTC in 2020. Um, actually, they're saying worldwide someone becomes the victim of identity fraud every 14 seconds. I, an identity is being stolen every 14 seconds. 15 million U.S. citizens experience identity theft every year. This results in $50 billion in financial losses. $50 billion. That's, we're talking every year, 15 million people. That's just the U.S. Listen to this. One out of five people overall in the European Union have experienced identity theft. The U.K. is the most vulnerable out of that group of 53% having reported some kind of identity theft. In the, um, in the UK, that's 53%. In Ireland, it's 50%. And in France, it's 45%. That's the top three in the EU. So I mean, identity theft is worldwide. It's everywhere. So what's, what's the purpose? Why is it so paramount now? I mean, obviously there's extreme value I mean, by those facts, I mean, you can go out on the internet and find that and you'll, you'll find it's pretty easy to find if you just type in identity theft that you can get some numbers. I mean, that's supernaturally crazy. Um, so let's just get down to it. When you get a chance, I want you to take a moment, ask yourself these questions 
and think about your response. Just meditate on your answer and do a self-evaluation. Basically, I just got three questions here. They are, how do I define my identity? How do I define my identity? Who am I really? The second question, who am I really? Who am I? So how do I define my identity? Who am I? And the third one is, who do my friends say that I am? So how am I perceived by others? Who do they say that I am? Now up to this point, we're just talking about physical identity, of course, physical identity theft. Honestly, far too often we base our identities on what we do, on our jobs, our role in relationships. I mean, how would you define your identity? Pretty much by what other people perceive us as. So we end up defining ourselves by those pursues, pursuits. However, doing that, we limit our lives and our potential. So most people experience confusion about who they really are because they lack a biblical understanding of what determines their identity. Your behavior, listen, this is really good. This is just like a one-liner, it's really powerful. Your identity is an outgrowth of your behavior. And you can reverse it. Your behavior is an outgrowth of your identity. How you behave, oftentimes that becomes who you are. It defines you. That's scary. Our personal identity is most often determined by what family we are born into. Example, born into a very rich family, everything comes very easy. Don't have to do a lot of grinding to meet, make ends meet. Real easy to take common things that for many is very difficult or stressful easy don't have to work for it you just get it it's handed to you now i'm not knocking people who are wealthy i'm not saying that i'm saying it can shift our paradigm and our identity because we're not we're not stressing or, or training or striving to achieve a goal of it if it's just easily handed and that can shape our identity um, if we're on the other side of the of the ball, we're a poor family. We're scratching for everything. I mean, that definitely can shift your identity. One, you can be very downtrodden, but the things of value, even of moderate value, will be extremely precious and prized to you if you come from that kind of background. So. There's many things in society and culture that can kind of persuade and, and shift who or what we think our identity is. The key is we need to know what our spiritual identity is. So this is what I want to go over. Typically, it's who we're born into, but the problem is spiritually, being a descendant of Adam, we are automatically born into Adam's family. There is nobody in Adam's family that has the capacity to live as God desires us to live. Why? Because Adam was fallen. He wasn't perfect. 
he sinned and it, and it condemned us. So we're born into that sinful How do you want to call it? I don't want to label people, but we're born into that family, I guess you could say. So something's got to happen so we can change to get out of that. Now, this is where it kind of gets a little bit different. I want to start getting into some of the words. So the truth is God's intent is that all people, we would find our identity in him. We would find our identity in Christ. First Corinthians 15, 22 says this, for as in Adam, all die so in Christ all will be made alive let me paint this picture word of God clearly shows us that the enemy is out to destroy anything that is a reflection of Christ even up to the point of Christ himself the Bible still shows how the enemy is out to try and destroy anything to do with the image of Christ here we go so Matthew 2.13 says, Now after they had gone, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up tenderly, take unto the young child and his mother, and flee to Egypt, and remain there till I tell you otherwise. For Herod intends to search for the child in order to destroy him. He's talking about the birth of Jesus right there. So here's King Herod. He wants to destroy Christ. Well, obviously we know it's the working of the enemy because he wants to take out Christ before he can come be that. If he can't grow up to be the sacrifice for us to redeem us, we're lost. So he started at the very beginning of Jesus' birth into human form to keep us from being able to be redeemed. So it started there. Um, let's go to this one. First Peter 5, 8. Be well balanced. Be vigilant and cautious at all times, for that enemy of yours, the devil, roams around like a lion, roaring, seeking someone to seize upon and devour. Constantly, the enemy is looking everywhere he can so he can find that thing that will set us up so he can catch us at a bad moment, catch us at a trying time, an uneasy time, and do whatever he can to just take us out. So that's now that we've talked about spiritual identity. Let's go back to those questions. Let's answer them now or ask them to ourselves, but let's ask them from the perspective of his influence in our life. How does he define my identity? Take a moment and think about that. How does he, not, not how do I define, how does he define my identity? Who does he say that I really am? Who does he say? Not who my friends say, not who the people I hang around with, not who my coworkers are, my teammates. Who does he say? Honestly, when it all comes down to the nitty gritty, it's all about who he says. So let's, let's dig into that a little bit. Here's a quick take, and I'm gonna go over a whole lot of scripture so you can pause and rewind or write them down. Um, trying not to be too long, but I'm going to throw a lot of word because the word is important. I'll wrap it in the end. Um, he says we're new. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. He made us new. Hallelujah, Jesus. We are chosen. 
Why? Ephesians 1, 4 and 6, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that he should be holy and without blame before him in love, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. So we know we're new creations, we're chosen, we're also holy. Colossians 1, 21, 22, and you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy, blameless, and above reproach in his sight. What else? These are these just quick take, okay? Righteous. We are righteous. How are we righteous? 2 Corinthians 5, 20 and 21. Now then, we are ambassadors of Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. Talking about Jesus. That we might become the righteousness of God in him. We're justified. How? Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We're represented. And we represented. We're represented. Romans 8.34. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who makes intercession for us. We are represented. And we are represented well. Hallelujah. Amen. Right? This is only a small, small portion of the word. I mean, the word is full of a plethora of, of who we are and our identity in him. But we've got to be in the word. I mean, it's absolutely crucial. Even now in this, in this culture that we're living in right now in 2022, more so than ever before. We got to do it. I want to go through a couple things here because we need to get a few things straight if we want to be successful in identity management. So we covered identity theft. We talked about identity, physical identity, spiritual identity, according to what he calls us, according to his word. But let's talk about identity management because that is a whole nother topic. Now I could go on and on with this, I'm trying to make the videos not too long. Uh, but I am going to cover a few more verses, and I want you, if you can just give me a few more minutes here, hang in with me, and uh, we're going to cover the basis of identity management. There's only a small portion of us that truly understand the full impact, I think, of identity management. I mean, personally, in my life, in the last probably four or five years, I've had two major identity thefts on mine personal involvement one of them was like 3200 bucks in one one incident the other one was a, was a little over a thousand dollars total theft i mean even on facebook fake book whatever you want to call it nowadays um my wife's profile was completely duplicated by someone overseas took her pictures took every i mean it had us in the pictures had the same name it was to a point where she couldn't even get into her real Facebook because of the fake Facebook. And the profile wasn't even anything to do with her. We don't even know the people. They weren't even in the United States. So, I mean, identity theft, it's everywhere. Um, being in retail support, I deal with that with the company I work with. I mean, there's all kinds of identity theft. It's, it's astounding the numbers. And people just don't realize. So, 
we definitely got to be on top of the identity management thing. Safe practices. Well, that's easy to determine on the physical side. What's a safe practice on the spiritual side of identity? Well, I believe it, and I'm just going to paraphrase it into two things. Communion and communication. Obviously, we've got to have communion. That's intimacy. Intimacy with the Father. And communication. How many, how many of us in a relationship where it's it's a one one-sided talk if all you're doing is talking and you're never listening you're not in a relationship you're in a dictatorship and you're the dictator if that's you i mean who wants to be around somebody that does all the talking all the time and all you can be is silent it doesn't last it can't last because there's no communion there there's no vulnerability there's no connecting you know what? The Lord wants us to be able to connect with Him. He wants to, He wants to know us. Well, I mean, He does know us more than we have a clue. I mean, He knows every hair on our head. Obviously, He knows us way more intently than we can begin to fathom Him. But we need to pursue Him recklessly. I mean, like throw no caution to the wind. We need to like go all in. We need to, you know, the word says nobody's had all that there is to have. So why don't we just run hard? Love, forgive, be Jesus with skin on, listen to his word, fill ourselves with his word, renew our minds. I don't want to get off track. Let me just touch base a couple things here. So we know it's communion and communication. We don't want to be in a dictatorship. So we need to remember do we ever stop to just listen? When we're praying, even when we read, like we can speed read the word, but are we listening to the word? Are we truly indulging in his word? We've got to stop sometimes, just slow down and meditate on the word and allow it to renew our mind so we can apply it. This has got to be lived out. Do we allow our walls to come down? we become vulnerable I mean we know the word says he'll, he'll he'll correct those he chastens those he loves not because he's mean because he loves us how do we grow unless he teaches us what is wrong but he doesn't do it with an ill intent he doesn't do it to break us down or destroy us no he does it because he wants to elevate us he wants to promote us he wants us to become all that we can be he has great plans. That's what the word says. He knew us before we were, he knew us when we were in our mother's womb, before we even were. He already knew. And he had great plans, good things for us. So he's a good, good father. We just got to dig in. We got to be vulnerable. We got to be transparent. Got to have an ear to hear and a heart open to receive and to listen. So let me go through a couple, a couple more scriptures here. Obviously, we know it's paramount. Due to the culture that we're in today, we have got to know the word. So I'm going to give you just a few things as we close out. Matthew 4, 4. He answered and said, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Well, what is his word? A lot of people's like, well, have you ever heard the audible voice? Well, it depends on how you... Define audible voice. 
If somebody's reading the word aloud, we could say, yeah, I heard his audible voice because his word is, is the word. But we got to get it in us. I'm not saying he doesn't speak audibly also. I mean, signs and wonders, hallelujah. But his word is his word. It will always go forth and accomplish all that is put out to do. It will never return void. We've got to know his word. We can stand on his word regardless of what we see. Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You can prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Prove it. 1 Peter 2, 9. I love this. This is one of my favorites. But you are a chosen generation a royal priesthood. Now, there's nothing cheap in that. A chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Man, if we know the word and we can read the word and, and just regurgitate the word, meditate on the word, you can't be in a down state if we can just have the word constantly flowing in us. It just brings life because he is life. Hallelujah, right? Come on, Psalm 26, 2. I love this one too. Uh, there's, I'm gonna read two of them in Psalms, they're very similar, but it just speaks of, of the intent and the, and the power. Um, Psalm 26, two, examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Try my mind and my heart. How many times have we prayed that? Pray like David prayed. Lord, try my mind and my heart. Prove me. I mean, we need to be that real and that transparent so we can be promoted to the next step. He's got big things for us. God isn't a lesser giver. He's a greater giver. He doesn't give less. He only gives more, better and better. Glory to glory, grace to grace. Psalm 139, 23, 24, very similar to the last one. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. I wrote a song that I sang in a juvenile prison back in, um, it was in the very early 2000s. It was a very different type of genre of music. But, you know, it was, search my heart, oh Lord, search my soul. If there's anything in me that's not of you, tear it down. Take its place and take it out. Amen. That's got to be our prayer. We got to stay in alignment with him. Second Peter 1 4, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature. See, that's the new identity. We want to be partakers of the, of the divine nature. We want to get rid and shut off the old. We want to be that new creature in Christ. Hallelujah. 
Bible. Uh, this is a quote I want to throw in here just real quick. I am closing, I promise this time. I got like a minute and a half. <laughs> I'm going to speed read. But this is a quote by Todd White. It just, I heard it in a message he was doing. It just really stuck with me. And this is what he said. He said, you see, the Bible is not overrated, as many would say. It's just underread. The Bible's not overrated. It's just underread. You know, it is technically the best-selling book in all of, all of creation right now. It's sold more copies of it than anything. But so many people say it's overrated. It's not overrated. It's the most underread. So reflect in the last 24 minutes, 11 seconds, we got to ask ourselves, do we live who we say we are? This is very important. I want you to hear this. I'm closing with this right here. Do we say, do we live? Do we live who we say we are? If not, all we have is a confession. There's not any power in our words. You're just a talking parrot. Even a parrot can mock and regurgitate words and sounds. So where are we? Do we live what we say? You know, his, his desire. Hmm, this is so good. We've got to know who we are so we can live what he paid for. Amen. Last, last two verses, James 2, 17 and 20. Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, it's dead. But some will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without works. I'll show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, O oh foolish men, that faith without works is dead? Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. He's commanding us to action. We've got to have works. Not that it's about works. We can't do anything with works without faith, but faith without works is dead. So it's a partnership. We get him in us. He builds us up. He empowers us. He strengthens us. He enables us. We can go out and we can do this. We can be kingdom. Some kingdom that some people that we run into with the only kingdom they'll ever see is the Jesus in you. So my challenge, brothers and sisters, find your identity in him as a new creation. Understand that his best is for you. And then let's go change our culture. Let's populate the atmosphere with the supernatural of the kingdom. Be blessed. Love you all greatly. Thanks for sharing a few minutes. Stay in tune. May his word fuel the flame in your life and empower you unto great and mighty things for the kingdom. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this week's Fuel the Flame from Newly Awakened Ministries. You can follow Newly Awakened Ministries on Facebook and Instagram. You can also connect with us through newlyawakenedministries.com.